a Mi'kmaq man fights for indigenous fishing rights with no help from Malibu First Nation. I'm Glenn Wheeler, and this is Mi'kmaq Matters, a podcast about Mi'kmaq people, politics, land, and water. This is episode 169. Thanks for your support via patreon.com and email transfer. Mi'kmaq.matters at gmail.com. Willow. In April, Murray Duffy will be back in court in Stephenville in his lonely battle to claim fishing rights for the Mi'kmaq of Newfoundland. It's a story that begins in August 2018 when he was fishing off Flat Bay and was charged by fisheries officers with having more fish than allowed in the recreational cod fishery. Since then, he's been back and forth to court, determined to prove his Mi'kmaq right to fish rather than pay a $750 fine. It's a legal battle he's been fighting on his own. He's been in touch with Stephenville Ward Councillor Odell Pike and Chief Brendan Mitchell, but they say there's nothing they can do to help. He's on his own. This, despite a promise from Brendan Mitchell in the last election campaign to pursue fishing rights for Halibut members. We spoke with Murray Duffy about why he's determined to carry on his legal fight for fishing rights. Okay, Murray, so tell us uh, what happened on August the 4th, 2018. Uh, uh, myself, my common law wife, my buddy were fishing off of Flat Bay. Uh, we were getting a few fish. Uh, uh, actually, we were getting anything first, and then later in the morning we managed to hook a few fish, and uh, we were just, the weather was picking up, so we decided to leave and come in. Uh, at that time, we seen a boat approaching us at a very fast, fast rate of speed, and um, and my Dale was saying, that's my wife, she was saying, uh, get out of the way, get out of the way, they're going to run us over, they're going to run us over, right? So I just kept, and I was, like, the weather was bad, and, you know, I was just doing a little bit over right over it, and just moving along, we were... We were, like I said, heading in, and then uh, we were uh, getting rid of our chum and stuff that we had from previous trip, right, throwing it overboard and that. Well, that was leftover guts and the remnants of the fish from the trip before. I freeze it, I freeze it, and I uh, I take it back. I take it back with me uh, fishing, and when it dies out, and if we hit any fish, then we start throwing it over to keep fish around, right? And then when we're, when we're done, whatever we got left, we just give it back to the ocean, right, to feed the help feed the fish and stuff, right? So we were coming in, and they came right up on top of us. Well, almost swamped us, actually. Only got a 16-foot aluminum boat. And uh, from there on, uh, like, they never said, they never used any lights, any sirens, never ever said who they were, first or last, right? And I just, you know, I just uh, obviously was fishermen, or fisher, fisheries officers. So I said, uh, what are you doing today? And he said, well, you know, I'm just protecting you for fish or whatever like there. So, I so this was the recreational uh, cod fishery. Uh, you're yeah, allowed right. uh, you're allowed so many per, yeah, per boat, I guess. Yeah, about 15 fish. I think we had 23 or 24. And, uh, you know, and, and in the case that they said that we were throwing back fish, you know, we were throwing back the remnants of the fish from a previous uh, fishing trip. And... Uh, 
if I wanted to throw back fish, I would have threw, I could have just grabbed the tub and dumped the whole works right overboard, right? Mm. And and also they were saying that we were throwing back uh, six large fish, right? Now, if anybody that does any fishing, right, uh, knows that uh, there's not many large fish uh, to be caught anymore, and usually you get into a run of fish, the fish are usually all the same size. Now, we had a couple of times where we did get into a run of large fish, but they were all large fish, but we were also 10 or 12 kilometers out further in the bay uh, on a base of Cape that was there on the bottom, and the whales were there, too. At this time, you know, when I got the weight with me, we don't. We were only off a couple of miles, a couple of kilometers, and uh, you're off that bay at this time. So, yeah, that's right. Yeah, they're off a bankhead, and uh, the fish were all the same size, probably I'd say anywhere from three to five pounds, right? So you know, if we were going to be uh, selective in throwing fish back, you know, you're not going to throw the small ones back and keep the big ones, hmm. or, or you're not going to throw the big ones back. I'm sorry, and keep the small ones, right? You know what I mean? If you're going to keep any. You know, it would be the large ones, throw the little ones back, right? You know what I mean? You always size up, you never size down, right? So, uh, in that case, that's totally bogus. And they asked, right? Did you throw anything back? I said, yes, we we're throwing back our, uh, throwing back our, uh, chum that we had left over from the last trip. So anyway, that came with a charge anyways of, uh, of throwing back the fish as an obstruction charge and, uh, which totally denied. Period. So you you think you got charged with the fish and for for obstruction? obstruction. There there were two yeah. charges. Yeah, that's right. So anyway, they took our fish, took our rods, and there wasn't much said. Uh, I did speaking. Uh, they also said that uh, one of the monitors also said that uh, you can't fill it a, a mackerel while you're on the water because you won't be able to tell the species. And I said, buddy, I said if you're on the water at all in your lifetime. I said, if you can't tell a mackerel fillet from a cod fillet or any other type of fillet, I said, you shouldn't even be on the water for one thing, right? Mm. You know, because uh, it's quite obvious, you know, a mackerel fillet from anything else, right? Mm. And, uh, you know, you do, we do, you do clean your fish mostly sometimes at the, on the water. Actually, we don't. I bring mine home because I use uh, frozen uh, water bottles mm. and, and I add water and I put my fish in there and keep some nice and cold and stiff, right? Yeah. And there was a couple of fish that I had thrown back that that day because of uh, I forgot to take the bottles the time before. And by the time we got home, we had a couple of fish that were soft. They were, you know, no good process for food, right? So I just brought them back and, you know, give them back to the ocean, right? Like, you know, like I always do, right? You know, and I always give them back, right? Yeah. And in saying that, I always fished and hunted and cut wood and, all this all my life, right? You know what I mean? It's just part of life, right? So that was in uh, that was August the fourth, twenty eighteen, yeah. and you were in yeah. you um, you didn't. When did you uh, did they write you out a ticket uh, right there on the spot, or did you get charged no, sometimes later? Yeah, they didn't do anything right then. There, they let us go, and we went in and and, and hooked up our boat and come on home, and then I was in contact with them. Oh, a couple of times at a later date, and I asked them, you know, what are you going to do? What's your plans? Are you going to charge us, or are you going to give us our stuff back, or what? And I also had a meeting with the fisheries DFO in Steamville, uh concerning fishing and stuff like that. And uh, and uh, so anyway, 
according to my information, they had 90 days to charge me. And I called them up, I think it was the day before the 90 days or the 90th day, and I said, you know, the, you know, you fellas got to make up your mind. And I went into the office, and then they charged me there. They charged us there. And when when you were in it, in the office, were you? Did you explain that you were Mi'kmaq and that uh, you had uh, indigenous yeah. rights to fish? And uh, and yeah. what what did they say to that? Uh, they said, well, you know, that's that's totally up to yourself. Uh, you can claim those rights, and uh, they understand that you know there's probably going to be a time when uh, these rates are going to be enforced. And, uh, you know, uh, they were very understanding, i got to say. Like, I have no trouble with DFO, the officers there. And I'd say probably, you know, these guys are probably cardholders themselves, right? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I, mm-hmm. And, you know, other than that, it's just now dealing with the court, right? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? With the, with the crown and stuff, right? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And also with legal aid, which I was just going over and... Uh, the letters I had where I got denied uh, for um, for a lawyer. So you're talking to them in uh, the fall of 2018. You're charged just yeah. at the 90th day, and then yeah. and then you're in court. So when when did you make your first uh, court appearance? Uh, in February, I believe it was, and uh, right from the get go, we claimed our rights, and uh, we got in contact. In we had to go to legal aid. Mm. So, uh, so you're you're in court in February 2019 in Stephenville, yeah. And uh, you you tell the judge that you're going to uh, claim uh, Indigenous rights. And what what did the judge say about that? Uh, the judge said that's that's totally in your rights, and uh, then referred me to uh, either get a lawyer or go to legal aid, which mm. we went to legal aid. And with legal aid, there's a three-step uh, denial uh, application process. Uh, we applied first, got denied, uh, appealed, got denied, and then appealed again and got denied again. And uh, and their reasoning was uh, if uh, Mr. Duffy wants to claim his Aboriginal right to fish, he must do so as a member with the support of the Halibut First Nation. And they also said in the letter of denial that I got from them that uh, uh, there's no possibility of Mr. Duffy's assertion that he had Aboriginal right to fish beyond the quota won't be successful because as an individual he cannot claim that he has an Aboriginal right to fish. He can only do so as a member of this community or nation. Well, I am a member of the community. I am a member of the nation, and I am claiming it, right? Hmm. Uh, and also said that even if the nation did support him, unfortunately, uh, I would still be denied. So this, this doesn't matter. And then we had, uh, after that, I, I, I asked the court uh, to appoint a lawyer, and uh, then we went through what is called a uh, Robotham, uh let me see now. It's a robotum yeah. application, mm-hmm. right? And which which uh, the Crown, uh, Brenda Boyd from uh, Service Canada in St. John's, she was the Crown that appeared on that. And uh, she uh, fought for the Crown to deny us uh, applic- uh, uh, robotum. 
application and getting a lawyer because uh, what the basically what the, the court said in her decision, the judge said that uh, it, we didn't get a lawyer because the charges weren't um, uh, stiff enough. Like uh, was no chance of going to jail and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Right? It was just a fine and and. Uh, because what they're looking for is a $750 fine each, and they're looking for a no fishing for one year mm. in, the, in the recreational fishery, right? Mm. Yeah, you got turned down um, yeah. by legal aid, and have you been in court since then? Yes, we've been in court several times since then. Uh, what we're trying to do is we're trying to be our own lawyer, I guess, and... Uh, we're tr- we're trying to notify the Attorney General of Canada and of the province, which we're getting zero headway. We've spoke to uh, several like uh, uh, free lawyer consultations, like that you can get, mm-hmm. and uh, actually they've never heard of it. And uh, a lot of calls we made at the province, we never ever heard back from anybody, and. With the pandemic on the go, a lot of people, a lot of offices are closed and everybody's backlogged and it's just, you know, uh, we don't really know where to turn or what to do because we don't have the education, you know, and, you know, we're not lawyers, right? You know, mm-hmm. and like I told the judge in the court, I said, it's very slow going. I said, never mind the pandemic. I said, on top of it, I said, but, uh, you know, it's very slow going. We don't have the education. And we don't know where to turn, what to do. We don't know these uh, the, the ins and outs of the court system, and we find it very difficult. And like I said, uh, be ready for a trial. Uh, very slow going, and I don't know. Like I said, if we'll ever be ready for a trial because of all these, you know, hurdles that we have to encounter on the way. You know, and every time you think you're getting ahead, you're you got 50 more things ahead of you, right? You know. What does what does the judge say about that? Well, the judge understands, but there's nothing they can do, and the court got to go ahead. And this was the last week when we were in court, right? Well, we were down the phone, status on the phone, and uh, they're trying to get a hearing to get a hearing set for May 11th. Now we got a uh, of this year, and we got a, uh, a status appearance on April 1st. And you know, we're always making a little bit of headway, and but they want to go through the the, the crown wants to go through the. Um, hearing for just what happened that day but like i said uh, what happened that day doesn't matter because we're not guilty of anything because we were only exercising our uh, rights mm. right you know what i mean this way you know and he said well we'll see uh, uh, what you got for uh for a uh, constitutional fight well i said boy that's going to take another while yet because just pieces of this puzzle are going to get her very slow mm. right you know what i mean it's like getting a puzzle with a thousand pieces and you only got 500 mm. right you know, and you're looking around trying to find the rest of them, right? Mm. Now, you've been in touch with the band, with uh, with Halibu, and uh, and uh, as um, the legal aid was saying, uh, any uh, it seems from what they're saying that any constitutional challenge would have had to be have the band involved, and uh, yeah. you've been in touch with the band. So tell us about yeah. that. Well, uh, after I found out, like through legal aid, and that in that following spring in 2019, I contacted uh, my ward counselor, uh, Odell Pike. I sent her an email, you know, telling her what happened, and you know, I was looking for uh, some help right from the band, right? And uh, she just 
told me that uh, she had to get in contact with the band, with the chief and that, and she did so and sent me back a letter uh, email saying that uh, there was nothing they could do at this time and there's there's no no help and stuff, right? You know what I mean? And and then uh, so I contacted the band also and uh, I spoke with Secretary Beaver, spoke with the chief too, and he said he was going to check it out and then they got back to me a couple of days later saying there was nothing they could do for me and so I contacted the office and asked them to give me that in writing, which I did, which I sent you a picture of the letter. And uh, from there on, I spoke to the chief again, I believe it was in, in that following August. I called again and spoke to the chief, and like I told him, right, you know, like uh, I didn't want to growl or, or put anybody down or anything, uh, and I, you know, didn't want to disrespect anybody, right? And, you know, that's what we've been doing ever since. And like I told him, I just asked him, and he said to me he was going to get in touch with uh, his lawyers and stuff and contact me, and that was it. I never heard anything since, mm -hmm. right? So I never approached the band afterwards. I just, you know, it was pretty clear to me that they didn't want to touch it, and I didn't want to push it, and I didn't want to, you know, look like a an idiot causing trouble or anything like that. And I said, we'll do the best we can uh, with what we got, I guess, for now. Right. So uh, and what? So what was that uh, conversation with uh, with uh, with the chief? That, that was in August of uh, 2019. So right now you're um, you have these uh, court dates coming up. When uh, when you were out there on the water in 2018, uh, did you go out intending to um, to uh, be in the situation of uh, asserting? Um, Indigenous rights, or it just uh, it just happened. Uh, no, uh, I tell you now. Uh, when it comes to our rights, I've always had a problem with this uh, going out and this food fishery and and getting only fifteen five fish a day. Okay, uh, most of the times when you're out, you have to fight to get the fifteen fish a day. Because, you know, that's just the way fishing is. It's called fishing, right? It's not called catching, mm -hmm. right? So this day we end up getting into a few fish and it was getting late and I knew that uh, we had our bottles and stuff and I said, well, you know, we'll take a few, we'll take a few, we had a few extra fish and I said, uh, we're going to take them home and I said, if I, and I always said, if I ever do, uh, get caught, that is my right anyway. To take a few fish, right? And uh, I'm not out to destroy anything, right? Uh, uh, the fishery was never, would never be hurt uh, with a handline fishery, right? Uh, you can put every Newfoundlander in the dory you want and send them out fishing with a handline, and you will never have to worry about uh, overfishing, right? Mm. You will never, that's not what destroyed our fishing, right? It's the government that destroyed our fishing and the rules and regulations that destroyed fishing. And it's went on for ever since they've been taken, ever since they took it over, and it's going to keep going on, right? And, you know, my, uh, why should I have to go out, uh, ten times uh, to get a few fish? And all you're doing is spending a pile of money and spend a pile of gas, and this is what the government wants, right? And they want you to go out when the weather is bad, 
on the weekends and stuff. Why can't you go out when you want to go out? That's what we want to do. I want to go out, do my three or four times. If I hit sand, if you go out three or four times, you don't hit any fish, well, that's fine. But if you hit some once, you can get a, you can take a nice few fish and you can come home, do them up, put them away for your winter. And then you got, cause a fish, uh, codfish to me is a staple. Uh, we eat it two, two, at least two times a week, probably more. And, uh, we we'll always have. And well, probably will always will as long as I can get my hands on it. And uh, there's a way to get it, right? And uh, and like I said, uh, I'm not I'm not I'm not destroying anything, but uh, you know I'm just to feed my family and that, right? And also, in saying that, uh, I do uh, give I to the elderly, right? You know. Uh, and uh, I don't mind sharing at all. I don't mind giving anybody a feed of fish. All my request is, if I gives you a feed of fish, you take it home and eat it, mm-hmm. right? You know what I mean? Don't take it and put it in the freezer for six months or nothing, mm-hmm. right? You know what I mean? You take it home and eat it. And I got elderly that I calls and they comes because they likes the heads, they likes the sound bones, right? You know what I mean? They likes the napes, which I do myself too, right? You know what I mean? But I always share, mm-hmm. right? You know what I mean? And then in saying that, I always uh, give back to to the ocean and to the birds. Like we, every bit of bread we got here left over and stuff like that. We always feed the birds. And you know what I mean? I mm-hmm. agree. And like I said, in, in coming and saying with uh, with our rabbits and all rights and stuff, when it comes to fish, it comes to uh, wood, it comes to hunting or anything, uh, the way it always has been and the way I think it always will be, should be, is that it's like a barter system, right? You know what I mean? If uh, you goes in the woods and you hunt a moose and I got some extra fish here, well, you will say, well, I'll give you some moose, right? You know what I mean? Hey, and you give me some fish, right? Mm. You know what I mean? And we'll be even, right? Mm. You know what I'm saying? And that way, uh, because now everything is booked a dollar, right? Mm. And it's the same system. It's just that you take some money and goes to town and uses your money as barter to buy from wherever, Walmart, whatever, right? Mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm. So well, We don't know what, uh, why it is that Halibut has taken the position that it had, but um, there was one, uh, of course, we had uh, one case um, in a number of years ago, the Drew case from Con River, where they went to court yeah. uh, to try and get uh, indigenous rights uh, recognized over some uh, land down uh uh, in that area, and they lost, yeah. and we're still stuck yeah. with that. Uh, we're still stuck with that decision. Yeah. The court said uh, there were no uh, Mi'kmaq in Newfoundland before the uh, Europeans arrived, and therefore you have no uh, Aboriginal rights. Essentially, was the bottom line. So, yeah. are you concerned that you'll go to court, and if you lose on uh, on your case, then we'll have another? Uh, losing case, and uh, we'll be in a deeper uh, legal hole than we are at the moment. Well, uh, for one thing, uh, if I lose, I'm going to appeal because, uh, as far as I'm concerned, I never had any legal representation, and I'm not a lawyer, and that gives me a perfect right to appeal. I've told the court that, too, right? Uh, Until it goes through proper channels with a lawyer and stuff, I can't see any decision even being... You know, you know, uh, guilty. Uh, I'll have to appeal immediately, right? And uh, if if we left let this go for years and years and more years, well, the 
then the government will be saying, well, you never ever fought for it, so why should we ever give it to you, right? So somebody got to stand up somewhere. And I know personally that there's more to me right now that's in court that's doing the same thing I'm going to do, right? Right, they're going to fight for their rights still. Mm. So eventually we're going to get it, I think. How do you get around that argument about when the Mi'kmaq were in Newfoundland and uh, that well, argument uh, that came up in the Drew case? Yeah, I don't know. Like I said, I'm not a liar, but uh, all I know is I have uh, my uh, ancestry going back to Nova Scotia proves that we are tied to the, the treaties from Nova Scotia. And uh, according to what I've been reading in it, uh, the, they've always used Newfoundland as part of their hunting and fishing, right? Uh, Nova Scotia uh, bands, right? Mm. So that's, you that's you would uh, you would try and get in under the Nova Scotia or under the Peace and Friendship Treaties, so it would yeah. be a different case than the Con River case uh, because yeah. you wouldn't you wouldn't have to um, to prove the same kind of case as uh, as they were involved in. Yeah, that's right. Well, all we got all we're proving is that to prove where we came from, uh, that we are uh, of Indian uh, Aboriginal descent or whatever, and that uh, we know that. They use it for because uh, it's in some of the uh, some of the treaties and some of the maps I got that uh, shows that uh, that the Newfoundland was the hunting and fishing territories of those people, right? Our ancestors. And you have your genealogical research uh, tracing your roots back to back to Nova Scotia. Yep, yep. I got it all. Bringing it right up to me it's for today. Hmm. I got it all when we when we've done our information from our. Our uh, our uh, membership mm. for Halibut, and uh, you know uh, they're saying also that we're a landless band and stuff like this, right? And Halibut is a landless band. Uh, there had to be extensive evidence on the waters in question. Well, you know, because we're off of Flat Bay, and Flat Bay, as you know, is I'd say probably the oldest indigenous community. Around, right? Mm. So, like I said, I'm no expert. I haven't got the education or background or anything. And what I know is only what I've been learning is only bits and pieces do, right? You know mm. what I mean? I, mm. I know there's case law now uh, that we'll be using from Nova Scotia with the Donald Marshall case and the Sparrow case and stuff like that. Right? I've got copies of that too, right? You know mm. what I mean? But like I said, where we're, we're having difficulty is with uh, the Attorney General's office and stuff, right? You know what I mean? The, the, and uh, that's what we're into now since we have the information from Crown 89 pages and the, what to do to get ready for court. And it's like, oh, it's wicked. It's very stressful, too. Yes. Right? Very stressful, you know, on relationship. And, you know, and then you got, it's just very stressful. That's all I can say. And all for, I suppose, it's tempting to uh, just pay the fine and be done with it, but uh, there's something uh, more substantial well, at stake. Yes, that's right. It's not only the fine and that break, you know what I mean, it's, uh, and uh, which nobody wants a $750 fine order, but uh, it's not the point. You know, you gotta, sometimes you just got to stand up for us, right? That was Murray Duffy speaking to us from Stephenville Crossing. We reached out to Chief Brendan Mitchell and to Ward Councillor Odell Pike. No response from the Chief. Odell Pike said in an email, 
until we have fishing rights, which we don't have at the present time, there is nothing I can do to help the situation. We also contacted the Stephenville Law Office of Mark Mills, who we understand is acting for the Federal Crown. We did not get a response. And that's it for the program. Allison Baker is the producer of Mi'kmaq Matters. Listen to Mi'kmaq Matters wherever you get your podcasts. And please leave a review. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for the latest Mi'kmaq news and views. I'm Glenn Wheeler, Nemaltus. <laughs>